Museum of the Moving Image welcomes you to the Pinewood Dialogues Online, an archive of conversations with innovative creative figures in film, television, and digital media. Visit Museum of the Moving Image in New York City or online at www.movingimage.us. Please welcome Harmony Korean. Yo, what up, New York? <laughs> oh, welcome, um, and congratulations on this film. It's, it's like so many different things. I mean, like I was sort of struck at how beautiful it was, and I kept thinking, like while I was watching it, that it's really like sweet in a way. Like it was, it was just sort of not what I expected. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I mean, I guess it, does, it has some sweetness in there. Um, uh, but yeah. Has, has some sweetness in there. What was your thing? In different ways, right? Yeah. Different meanings. Yeah, of the word. it also depends who you are. Yeah, right. But um, I guess, well, first of all, did you go to Spring Break? Well, you grew up in Nashville, so you were sort of not that far from Spring Break land. Did you go yourself? Or? I never went. I was like skateboarding and stuff. And I also like uh, grew up around a lot of kids that were like, that were, like epitomized that. And so I, some, in some ways I was trying to get away from that. And then... Uh, but yeah, it was re- it was real common. I mean, when I was, I don't know. I mean, you guys probably know, but I, I, <laughs> what, what spring break is. But yeah, when I was like uh, in high school in the no- early nineties, it, w- it was like Redneck Riviera, and uh, um, and just kids would like load up in their cars and drive. It was more of a white person's thing uh, at the time. It was like real super Caucasian, and like uh, now it's 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 more multicultural. More, was you know, it's more interesting. Uh, but yeah, then it was just like mostly white and like kids would just go get in fights and like lose their virginity and like do drugs and like come back and pretend it didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, how did the film sort of formulate in your mind? It's sort of a leap from trash humpers in some ways, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, uh, I, you know, I'd been collecting like spring break imagery for a couple of years Mm -hmm. and like, uh, I was using it more for like artwork and things, make paintings or just like you know, I, I just like sometimes I just like have files of images and uh, just certain things and uh, uh, f- cultural phenomenons or just whatever, like haircuts or just things. And then uh, <clears throat> I was like interested. I, I started looking at them all together, and it was almost like the subject matter was very like hypersexualized, hyperviolent, and then everything around it was really kind of. Uh, was really kind of childlike, and all the nail polish and the f- and the yeah. swim and the swim and like the bikinis and like the Hello Kitty book bags and the uh, you know I don't know the vaporizers and the puke. Everything looked like uh, like almost like a coded language. And I, I've been calling all these images from like uh, you know fraternity message board sites and like coed pornography, just like all this all this stuff. And it started to speak to me in, in a way. It started to de- the details was exciting and I thought well, I don't know you know it's it's hard to explain but then you just feel like maybe there's something there so uh, obviously uh, there's a few like kind of keys to the film one is the one is the casting I mean it, it's not just that you got stars and that helped to make the movie or sell the movie but it really affects how we see the movie to be seeing Selena Gomez and yeah. you know like my 11 year old son is like probably watching her tonight on, yeah. on Nickelodeon or whatever yeah. show she's on yeah yeah, that was exciting for me, honestly, because I want like your eleven-year-old kid to see it. 
My 11 year old kid. Yeah. I mean, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> that was exciting to me. Um, uh, because I wanted them to be introduced to a lot of the ideas and images yeah. and things that you see in there. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't a conceptual stunt, but there was something, I like the idea that in some ways those girls are representative in real life of this kind of pop mythology and they're kind of connected culturally to, to that world in some ways. And so, uh, I thought it brought a whole other layer in a lot of different ways. And, and I wanted the film to have, have that whole sense of working in multiple ways, like t- taking base culture, things that are com- considered like totally retarded and completely like depleted of any t- type of uh, soul or merit, and then finding something poetic and maybe even interesting in there. It's, it's fun for me. So uh, I like the idea of your daughter going. So, so um, speaking of which, I read that Selena, you know, not Selena Gomez, like to cast, this was like a big leap for them to take these roles, but I understand that Selena Gomez's mother is a big fan of your films. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so that must have helped. Like her mom was younger than me, which was like trippy. And so, uh, uh, but yeah, like I, I, I told the story before, but like when, when I was starting the casting lady, she's like, who do you want to be in the film? I was like, oh, just let's get Selena Gomez would be the best. And then I got this email like, okay, she's flying into Nashville to audition in your living room tomorrow. And I was like, what the fuck? And, <laughs> and like, uh, I didn't know anything about her or any, you know, I don't really know any of the personal stuff. I thought maybe she was religious. And like, uh, I started flipping artwork over and like... <laughs> Redecorating? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But it went... Um, so, so how did you work with... What was it like working with them? There's, oh, there's always been this thing in your films where you have a mixture of kind of documentary, sort of blending different types of performances. I mean, Gummo had that. Um, you're throwing your actors into documentary situations. What was it like? Well, it's fun for me. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's just like, that's, that's what I like to do. I mean, it's not. It's like, again, it's not even that I'm trying to create a reality. I hope people understand that. Like, I'm not really, never have been interested in truth. Like, there's sometimes this kind of idea that, like, the films are somehow, like, like a truth or something that is I'm trying to make some type of an indictment or some type of anti-indictment or something but I'm not I don't care about what's real I'm trying to go for something that's unreal yeah and I'm trying to go for something that's more important than truth which is like a kind of a transcendence uh or something that's more enlightening like a, or more like a feeling uh or something that's like uh like um, less tangible or, or, or di- more difficult to articulate. And so it's always this sense of like going past the simple articulation and into something that's more like a margin of the undefined. And so the acting and the style and the way I try to make movies reflects that and that it's sometimes looks real, but I'm always pushing it into something hyper real and manipulating it's always a it's i'm trying to make it an impressionistic reinterpretation of that or like a like this movie i always was designed to be like a pop poem you know yeah but that there's so many different like tensions in the film between beauty and all right so i used to i used to call it when i first started i called it um, a mistake is art form and what, I, and what I meant was that I was interested in the mistakes and the kind of randomness and the jaggedness of life and things. And so it was like 
putting these different components or you could say documentary elements within things that were really fabricated and stylized and all these types of kind of random things and then shaking them up and documenting explosion and that's kind of what it's never improvised yeah. but it's always um manipulated in a way or it's like me it's like music it's like jamming off of an idea yeah but there's something a little avant-garde about it and it's not in a pretentious way but you're i feel like what you're doing is ma like making us see things in a different way like i you know when we are experiencing that opening incredible opening montage yeah. in the film it's not it's like so different than watching girls gone wild or yeah. something but you're like it's really heightening your perception yeah. And it's weird because I, I like a lot of things in Girls Gone Wild. <laughs> and so, like, I hope that also comes off. Oh, I think th that does, yeah. Th that, like, yeah, I, I, I think so. <laughs> you know so. what I mean? Like, I'm, I actually enjoy that stuff a lot. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, could you talk a little bit about the... Uh, well, I did want to ask you also about the sense of place because even though you're talking about it being unreal, like, there's such a vivid sense of of place and I, I know that you I guess I read that you were like when, when you're writing the film you were staying in one of these like you oh, know yeah. disgusting motels so what, I don't know can you talk about that yeah when Franco said he wanted to play Alien I hadn't written the script yet I just described it to him wrote some things and it was right before he was hosting the Oscars and then <laughs> I like I uh, I jumped on an airplane and uh, I flew to Daytona Beach and I just checked into a motel and but like when I looked around out the window, there was nothing but like bikers and like obese women and like kids and like it was just disgusting. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with being obese, but I mean, I mean if you are, I guess. But uh, it, but you know what I'm saying? It was like as if like Subway sandwiches or Dunkin' Donuts were God and they designed the world. That's what it would <laughs> look like. Um. And then there was no spring breakers, and I spoke to this woman. She was a weightlifter. Uh, she was selling postcards, and I and uh, um, she said they ran them out like years ago, and they moved to Panama City. So I just jumped in a car. I was like, later, and uh, and then it was like ground zero uh, for spring break, Panama City. It was all the stuff you would see blasting Taylor Swift all night long, and <laughs> people puking, having sex in the you know hallways, trying to kick your door down. The whole hotel was rattling. And then I, uh, I tried to write there, but it was hard. So <laughs> I moved to another place on the strip, and it was just as bad. And then finally, this is a true story. I, I drove like 20 miles outside to a Marriott hotel on a golf course. And um, <laughs> I walk in, and it's just a sea of dwarfs. And uh, I was like, what's up with this place? And the lady was like, Hulk Hogan is doing a reality show here. And uh, <laughs> so at night, it would just be all these dwarfs drinking champagne and smoking cigars on a, on a, hot, on a hot tub. <laughs> but uh, so so I liked writing there because I wanted to get out so quickly that it made me write it like in a week. <laughs> it was like perfect environment, <laughs> right? But you you write like um, you don't go with a finished script. I mean, you leave, what I'm getting at is that you sort of leave a lot open to what you find. Yeah, I mean it's finished. I just don't care about it. Like it's just like the script is not important to me. The script is just important enough that I can get the actors and I can get the money, and then that's it. I've never done a rewrite. I don't care about it. It's just not interesting to me. Scripts are just nothing. It's just like they hold the ideas, which is a starting off point yeah. and a base and, a, and, a, and a maybe it's, it's just the fabric, just the beginning, like the kernel. But then I just have no interest. You know, I just look at it. And it's just paper. I just yeah. don't care. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you two more things and we'll open it up to the audience for questions. So one is sort of the structure of the film that it goes from being 
sort of a teen movie, you know, to the crime element becomes more and more important as we get into the film. I mean, especially as James Franco's character is introduced. I'm just wondering how that evolved. Like, I never actually wanted the movie to be like a, a like when it feels like a, a, a spring break movie. I was more interested in spring break, maybe just it's only, it's kind of fleeting in the film, really. It's yeah. like 10 minutes of the movie. It's more of a backdrop and more of this idea of a dream and, 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 and a kind of metaphor for what happens later. But um, I was more interested in the world, Franco's world and this kind of like Florida beach noir, this type of hmm. kind of sinister. When I was a kid, when I was go to visit my parents, my grandparents in Florida. And it was a weird place. It was, oh, everyone seemed like they're on the witness protection program. Uh, and, you know, because it was just like people go there because it's the sun and there's these dreams, you know, the dream of the sun. And, like, but then it just doesn't work out. And then people, like, go back into the shadows. And I, I always felt like there was violence in there. And so... Uh, I wanted it to be more like that, more about that 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 trap, you know, the like the, the trap house, which is wh- where he lives in that whole world. So, uh, that, that, I don't know. I was just drawn to it. We were talking a little bit about uh, Miami Vice because we were upstairs looking at the costumes from the TV show, but the film, the Michael Mann film, you know, yeah. it must have been an influence. Yeah, I love it. That's the, I don't really watch movies. Well, um. When I make films, I, I, I for like the a, probably about a year before I make movies, I stop watching films, and I, I don't even really watch movies that much in general anymore. Um, when I was a kid, I really was very voracious, mm. um, but I slowed down and started to become more inward in some ways. And and the only film I really watched was uh, the Michael Mann movie, the Miami Vice movie, which I really love. I would watch it without the sound because mm. it's so textural. It's like really phys- it's f- physical. And it's about colors to me and, and a type of like even uh, an ambience and a tone, which is like was Im- is important to me to make a film that's this this culture is very much about a, c- a culture of surfaces and the way things look and and so and then all the kind of ideas from the characters and the storyline is the residue of that so that was a something and also because it was a florida film and i just yeah. it was it was i love that movie so the last thing i want to ask you and then we'll open it up is about the editing of the film because that is like so extraordinary to me it's just um you know the, it's obviously it's obvious how good it looks it's an amazing looking film but the uh, editing is just really Special and, and amazing. So I just wondering if you could talk about that. And I did. I read that you love that process of filmmaking. You know, part of yeah. I love editing. I'm, I mean, uh, it's control. I love. I mean, I love shooting too when it's not a bitch. And it's a lot of times it's a bitch. I don't really enjoy myself shooting because it's just I just never let myself get comfortable. You know, because there's always something more I could do. So when people talk about like it, how it looked like a fun movie, I'm like, well, it's hell. Uh, I was like, oh, look, girls and bikinis and shit. Oh, it's hell. Um, but but it always is that way because I just because I always want more like I always want more and but in editing, editing is I I love it because it's it's controlled and I can experiment and so again like when I um, Doug Chris the editor uh, we had like a team of editors and uh, and so what I said in the beginning was that I didn't want to make a movie that was. A simple film. I wanted it to be something that I, I started to describe it as a liquid narrative, something that was more about an energy and a, a exploded narrative or something. At its core, it's a very simple story, but around it, I wanted it to basically uh, be without any specific times. It's more like about capturing a certain kind of energy, and that became yeah. more like music, 
And yeah. so we started to think of the film in terms of music, in terms of almost like electronic music or something loop-based music. That's why the film has a lot of repetition yeah. and things that come back and, and work on you in that way. And even the, the, the sing, the, some of the poetry or the singing of the things that people say, I was like, you know, it would be cool to make a film or to have that where it's almost like hypnotic in like a way that like uh, uh, pop music has hooks and choruses and things that get stuck in your brain. Um, so then... I'd never. I'd been working on this type, this st- stylistically. I've been trying to get to this place for a long time. This idea of like micro scenes is what I used to say. Mm. So the micro scenes, like I don't want anything to be. I actually don't want like scenes. I want just the whole thing to be like a single entity, a yeah. piece of like energy. Yeah. And so it, it took a while to figure that out to get into. But once you started to get a couple of scenes, I was like, that's it. And then the movie started to. Then it was just like bam, and you're just like jamming yeah <laughs> okay let's open it up and I'll uh, re- repeat questions just so people can hear so right over here so working with James Franco what was the process like creating Alien how much was you versus James yeah I mean James is crazy he's a real freak you know and uh, <laughs> and he's awesome he's amazing I mean he just never sleeps he's just always I mean all that stuff you guys hear about him is true uh, <laughs> like he's unbelievable um, but so the pro- so with his character with Alien I want it is based on a, it's kind of an amalgamation of a lot of kids I knew growing up going to school like riding the bus with and like uh, you know kids used to bang on the table and rap like white kids uh that that had kind of taken on black mannerisms, regional, like southern, you know, uh, and um, and so what I would do is I would I would basically send him hundreds of uh, clips. Uh, if it was for a year, he was doing other things. Since I would just send him clips of audio, audio clips of, of certain rappers. I, I like like there's all these rappers in Memphis in the '90s, uh, Tommy Wright and some of the guys from Three Six Mafia, and all these people. I would hear. I just love their voices, and so I would just send him uh, clips of things. And I'd just say, "Hey, you know," blah, blah, blah. He would never respond, and like I was like, <laughs> "What the fuck, man!" Like just ignoring it. And uh, <laughs> I would send him, like, uh, you know, uh, videotape. I would send him, like, I would go on to, like, fight websites and send him clips of, like, you know, girls in parking lots beating the shit out of each other. And, like, I wouldn't really give him any explanation. I would just send it, just send him this stuff. <laughs> and, like, I would just kind of, like, I wanted it to be, like, a filter, like a mood, like a long mood piece and, like, let him kind of, yeah, like, filter it, like a cultural, like, uh some type of cultural sponge or something but again i didn't know and he's not really into rehearsing in that tradition you know he doesn't really like to uh do too much rehearsal and so it and then but i'm crazy about like details and things so i uh, before he's shooting i spend months alone in the locations just driving around Mm. alone in or with uh locate or with the production designer or something just getting lost and stuff and finding neighborhoods and things and so Mm. i had him come out a month before and then I would just late at night we'd get in the car, uh, and I just roll the windows down, and we would just drive through like the hood, or just drive through wherever, and just like, and I'd just say, "This is where you're from," or like, "This is what you know, this is where you grew up," or "This is where." He wouldn't say anything. He would just like you know drink a diet coke and stare out the window, and uh, <laughs> and then like um, the first day when he got into it, put his cornrows on and his teeth, and I, and then 
I was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> uh, and then I heard his voice and everything, and I was like, man, he got it. Like, he's been paying attention. And then uh, he just, for the entirety of the film, he pretty much was alien. Wow. Okay, let's go all the way in the back there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so did you feel uncomfortable directing those party scenes since you didn't have the experience of... Well, like, when I say uncomfortable, I just mean, like, I'm always, like... i never comfortable because there's always, like, more you can do. Like, I'm never satisfied with, like... I shoot, like, up until, like, point where they're, like, pulling me off. Like, I never, like... I never can stop because it's just never enough. Like, I just hmm. want images from everywhere, every direction. Like, I just want it to never stop. Hmm. I want... And so... um and so that's why it's hard. I mean, those sequences were chaos, like those with the kids and stuff. And we would just get empty. We would, fortunately, we found like empty motels where the owners were cool, and they were like, "Yeah, just let them destroy it." And like, and then that's what we did. And then I would just get thousands of kids, and you know, uh, from fraternities and some on spring break and and Hooters or wherever the hell. And then like uh, that, and it was chaos. So by its very definition, it's chaos so it's it's difficult but it's thrilling too okay right here okay so what tips do you have for aspiring directors all right this is a good question listen to me closely uh i'm just just (laughs) kidding um all right honestly i'd say i mean here's what i would say i would say you have to be bold i would say to to aspiring directors who want to make films that are like like legit, like you want to do something, I would say always think about it in terms of extra. This is like my belief that there's already so much out there, right? So I think extra. So I think like, okay, I'm going to make a movie about this and this is what's going to happen, but then what's extra? Like where am I going to... And then when I find out what's extra, I go, okay, what's extra? So then I'm always trying to go to what's extra, extra, extra. Do you know what I mean? Um, like, I would say you can't care too much about what people say. I say you have to... I, I, I talk to Herzog about this all the time, and, and ultimately I say it over and over again. You, you have to be a, a, a foot soldier in the army. That is the most important thing. That if you're going to make real films, you have to have some type of... Um, you can't waver. Like, you know, someone says you're great, awesome. Someone says you suck, great. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, you have to have a purpose and a drive, and you have to believe in yourself uh, above and beyond anything that anybody tells you. Um, now, I'm only saying this if you're trying to make something that's special, but if you're trying to make things that everyone else makes, then you can just do what everyone else does. <laughs> but I'm trying to say if you want to go if, and be an extra human being, you have to put it in an extra work. And so you might have, sorry if I'm going on, but it's, you know, you might have long patches of real misery, right? Like real just horror in your life and, and rejection and just horror and just darkness. But just embrace that, you know what I mean? And like use that. And in the end, you'll have victory. You'll uh, be a great person and make great films. <laughs> okay, right down here.
Oh, so the film is rated R. Is there an unrated version lurking out there? I guess. Um, like a, you mean like a more extreme R R R version? There were things that I couldn't put in the film because they probably would be more too extreme. But like, I didn't want to make pornography. Uh, I mean, I don't mind pornography, but I didn't want I didn't want the film to veer into like pornography, and like uh, um, I I felt like it was a kind of this was the line that I felt comfortable or I felt like it needed to be walked, if that makes sense. So there's like things that are maybe more graphic that I didn't put in, but it wasn't because I was necessarily worried about the rating or anything, or but it was more just uh, it didn't seem like it needed it. Really, so how how are you thinking about the film in terms of audience? Because it really is sort of becoming a cultural phenomenon. This film and it's being talked about on network shows. And we were saying before, like it was on ESPN. They were talking about it. They don't usually mention movies. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, my brother was like, "You're next to LeBron James. <laughs> what the hell is going on?" Uh, I mean, I love it. It's great. I hope everyone sees it. I mean, shit. It's like, you know, you make the movie for, I'm, I make films, there's always this misconception that I, or, you know, or this idea that you make films and you want only the, in a specific way that only certain people should see or be able to understand. I never liked the idea of my film having to qualify yourself uh, to see the movies or having to like even get the movies. It's more of an experience. And so it's very exciting to me after making movies for all, all this time that like your daughter's going to see it <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> right there. Yeah. Okay. So could you talk about working with Selena Gomez and what was surprising? <clears throat> She's great. She's amazing. I mean, I, you know, again, like I didn't know much about her. I know, you know, I didn't know much about her personal life and all that stuff. She's amazing. She's like, whatever you can say about Disney, and I don't really know much about Disney either, but like they it's still like, a, a, they're, the, those, those girls are like, you know, tough. And, uh, and she was like, she was like down for it. Um, you know, there's a lot of chaos and a lot of fanaticism that follows her and some of the other girls, like, you know, shit I've never seen before. I mean, I was like, what the fuck? I mean, people hiding in floorboards and, like, I had, like, tween kids, like, you know, with signs in front of my condo. And I, you right. know, <laughs> whoa, what's going on? Uh, but um, she has a lot to contend with. There's so much energy when there's that much energy around you as a human being. It's, like, crazy, you know? But she's very... Uh, I mean, I, I I can't speak highly enough for her. She was, you know, she took a risk with this movie, and like, uh, I'm grateful to her. She was amazing. Okay, um, over here. Then we'll go back up. So yeah, can you talk about the sound? Do you think about that in the writing process? Or does it come in later on? Like, I just dream about it always. <laughs> yeah. Like, I never not think about it. Like, I just, that's like what I think about it all the time is the sound, is the feeling that you're going to get in the movie. So, like, I, I, w I want the film to be like, I want it to, you never to get really comfortable. I want it to be like relentless in that way or something that you're not almost like trance. Like, or to be honest with you, I want the films to almost work like a drug. To, to replicate some type of a drug experience. That's ultimately like what what I want more than anything is that they have some type of a of a peak, a transcendence, like a peak moment and, and a, almost a hallucinatory quality. And then they kind of uh 
disappear very quickly and they're gone and you're just you're left with something you're left maybe changed in some way hmm. that you're not even aware of um and and so the sound you know it's in movies it's it's everything right that's why it's the greatest medium it's because of sight and sound and it, and it, ca- it can create something physical a, a kind of a, a phys- something that's like tangible and so with the sound the sound is equal to the image and so with this movie i wanted it completely bombastic and very like uh and 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 guttural like bass like i love bass like i, I love i saw so i listen to is like rap music and i love like sometimes I just listen to bass repetitive thuds over and over again i just drive around listening to like uh, like a bass with not even rap just and like sometimes i'll like i'll uh unscrew the um my speakers in the back so that they rattle and because uh, i just love the rattle it's like a bomb and um and i just want the film to have, have that effect the sound called <laughs> okay uh all the way in the all the way in the back it's a little hard to read from here but has a cum stain on it i can see <laughs> You have great eyesight. Uh, do you, do your, as, making the films, is, that, uh, is there anything about making the films that scares you or that you know, evokes that emotion in you? It's an interesting question. I think, like, I, think I have a, maybe a, a, a warped brain uh, because like, I don't really get scared of anything, like pretty much anything. So I don't get scared. Like I just like watch and I get excited (laughs) (laughs) so uh like I don't get scared maybe like you mean like only time I get scared is I think like maybe there's someone in that pool hall has a gun and is gonna shoot that person shoot you or something but not really I don't I don't really honestly I don't I don't know I don't get scared I, I get like I could feel an energy and I'm like whoa something great's gonna happen a lot of times other people around me are scared and I think wow something great's gonna happen can you talk about? Oh, I wanted to ask about the scene with James Franco in, um, w- you know, with the two guns in his mouth. I mean, that's an interesting scene, and that evolved, um, I, I, from what I understand. Yeah, so that scene was a funny. It was um, <laughs> <laughs> the flating scene. Yeah, that was a. It was really just written up into a point where the girls scare him, or they just put um, the gun up to his head and and they kind of turn the tables on him a little bit and kind of try to fuck with his head and, um, and then we started doing rehearsals. Uh, I re- we did rehearse that scene, and, and Franco did rehearse that scene, and before shooting, and like, um, I noticed that like the way they would hold the gun, it was like kind of sexual, and it was like right in his. It just I wasn't directing them; I was just watching it. They stick it like right on his lip, and I was like, and I just said, I was like real. I just said, "Why well, he's just sticking his mouth?" Yeah. And then they are all right, and then they stuck it in his mouth, and then we did it again, and then again, and then he got more comfortable within his mouth, and like, <laughs> and they got more comfortable. And then I said, well, this is kind of great, you know, why don't you like emasculate him and make, you know, and kind of like, and like, you know, make him suck it off. And then they were like, whoa, and James <laughs> was into it. <laughs> but James is, a, is like, you know, again, he's another person, he's hard to freak out. And so I thought that's where the scene ended. And then I looked at James and he just got a smile on his face and he goes... And he was like, I should fucking suck the guns off and love it. 
And I was like, yes. <laughs> and like, and it crystallized in that moment. It, again, that it found itself. It became the core of the movie in some ways because in that moment it was like, it was a, it was a love. It was like a kind of sociopathic love. Like they, you know, that's that, that say, they say game recognizes game. And like they all recognized each other's game in that moment. And so it became something greater than what I'd imagined. <laughs> okay, let's take a few more. So over here. Gucci man, I called him, he was in prison. And uh, <laughs> like, you know, he's my, he's like, I, I love him. He's like one of my favorite rappers ever. And like, you know, he he is the real deal he's like he he's just my favorite and so um i called his manager coach k and like i was like coach uh, like uh, i need to talk to gooch and then he's like all right gooch in jail and then he's like but we can call him from this time to this time and like and then i, I was like gooch and i was so excited it was like probably the greatest phone call uh for me and uh and uh I said, if you could stay at a prison, I got a, I got a part for you. And he's like, and he was like, he's like, I'm down, man. Let's do it. <laughs> and uh, and then he did. He stayed out of prison. He hasn't reoffended since. He's going to be at the premiere in L.A. on Thursday. Great. Okay. Uh, right there. Faces, just well, question about the, the use of close-ups. Yeah, was there any? Yeah. Faces? Um, sure. I, I, I love faces. <laughs> no, I do. I love faces. Like face, I love the movie Faces. Um, uh, but I love faces. Um, I'm always looking at great faces. Not, I mean, like, even in, in older films, like some of my favorite things are you know, the secondary or even like the third back actor in the back, their faces are just, faces are great. You love masks too. And I, I, I mean, I understand that was like this image you of love the... masks. Well, yeah, but the image of the, the girls in the bikinis and the, yeah, the hats. Like, I mean, oh, yeah. like was like one of the first things that came to you in the film? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. The, with the girls, um, you know, I just thought that ma- loving masks is perverted. <laughs> um, the... Uh, the image with the oh yeah so basically that was the first image of the movie I just dreamt up girls in bikinis with ski masks that's what you're talking about yeah yeah oh okay I thought you meant like yeah. prosthetic masks faces yeah. oh never mind um, <laughs> I uh, that was trash I'm masks yeah, yeah it was from the you know the, I don't know if you, Young Buck this rapper he has an album cover where he's wearing a ski mask and he's got a grill and I was <laughs> I was looking at I was looking at I thought I love that image and I thought what if you had girls in bikinis robbing like fat tourists on the beach. And uh, with guns, and that was the first image. Yeah, it's like neon bikinis, masks, unicorn patches, silencers. I just want to ask you, um, sort of a last thing. You mentioned Werner Herzog, who's been a big fa- like supporter of you since Gummo. I'm just wondering, like, what you guys talk about because you both sort of do. You, I mean, you both like create amazing images and and, and uh, like try to break through in a way. I think you're both involved in, like, you know. How do you make films in a world where there's so many images and you want to do something? You talked about extra, but yeah. do something that breaks through. I mean, you know, he's in some ways like my filmic father. Yeah. Um, and I don't just mean that like that the movies are alike or whatever. I just mean that like in a way that um, when I s- my dad loved movies. And so when I was young, my dad 
would show me his films, and immediately I was drawn to uh, the wildness that, and the poetry of his films, and so, like in a way that I had never felt before when I saw even Dwarf started small. When I was a kid, and I just was like, what the fuck is that? And like, how could that even exist? And what type of human could put that together? <laughs> like, it seemed like it just came from, you know, like outer space. And, and at the same time, it was gr- based and grounded in something soulful. And so I guess in some ways, like, I felt, and I, f- I felt very similar watching like Buster Keaton movies hmm. or uh, Marx Brother films, hmm. a, a, a similar thing um, w- working. And then, um, and Werner, I just saw him in Rome last week. Uh, you know, he, he's uh, he was like one of the first people when he saw Gummo, uh, even before it came out in the theaters. He, uh, yeah, he called me up and he said, "You're the last foot soldier in the army. <laughs> 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 it is your duty to make movies." Um, but he's the, uh, you know, he is the most bold. And so for me, it's great because you need somebody sometimes to like look at and say that person is, you know, because he's like a warrior. Yeah. Well, you'll have a lot of 11-year-olds watching your films yeah. and feeling the same. Yeah. So, uh, anyhow... Um, anything else? Should we get anything while I'm here? Okay. Go I'm, ahead. I'm take cool a few, I'm okay. cool with Okay, your game. So, take a, here. take a few more. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. What's up with My Little Pony? You tell me. <laughs> Shit. I, I don't know. <laughs> I just like it. I thought, you know, it's cute. My sister used to watch it. It was like a little, you know... It's cute, right? <laughs> oh, it became like a theme or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't do anything on accident. I mean, I'm not making making the film on accident. Do we're accidentally watching My Little Pony? <laughs> N- no. <laughs> I mean, they could though, but they weren't. No, it's something like we had to get. And, you know, it's always a hassle. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right down here. Oh, well, go ahead. Oh, the morphing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that sequence where you see the image morphing and dissolving, how did that come about? That was like, um, uh, that was, uh, oh yeah, I, I didn't use a ton of it, but on the, on the f- camera, what the camera was using, we were using all these Jap- Japanese novelty cameras simultaneously. I was uh, like six or seven, I built like a totem with cameras that were these small cameras, and they, I would put them on different settings. And, s- and so I wasn't sure how I wanted to use them. Uh, in the f- in the film, or if I could use them, and then my e- I had this editor, as- assistant editor on the film, uh, who started playing around with on the Avid with just a kind of these uh, composites of all that footage, mm. and then it's like a morphing. It's kind of this analog morphing. And I thought, whoa, that's cool. Like that, in some ways, it's it's kind of trippy. It's like it's like a drug. You know, it kind of it's a punctuation in some of the drug scenes. Yeah. Okay, right up there. Go ahead. Do you ever try to add danger to a set? Well, let's put it this way. I don't know if danger is the right, but like I make it if I'm if generally as a rule, if I'm bored at any point in the in the shooting of it, I I then it's going to be boring for me. So, 
I definitely in in editing as well. Like I I don't really like use anything that I get bored. Even in writing, like that's why a lot of times people say my films aren't linear or they aren't because I I take out the parts that are the logic parts or the parts that are like you know you need this to get to here. But those point those parts suck. Like so why can't I just be here all the time? And like uh and so when I make films, it's like that. Sometimes you could say it's danger. Because like I don't want to film like in places where it's just white people, you know. Like it's just like if there's too many white people, it sucks, <laughs> you know. So like uh, <laughs> you just wanted things to be exciting. Okay, over here. Could you talk about how you got actors um, and collaborators from so many different backgrounds to work with you? I'm harmony. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. Just yeah, why not? Call him up. That's exactly the right answer. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what was the question? Working with a cinematographer. Freedom. I mean, I don't know if freedom's the right word because I don't. I don't like that. Um, but uh, I. Uh, but. I work with great cinematographers. I try to, and Benoit Deby is one of the best, and, and he's the most inventive, one of, maybe the most inventive cinematographer there is. And uh, and so, in the beginning, you start to develop you, all these ideas. It's like painting, you know. You say, "This is the these are the colors." Like I would say, "I want the I want the room to seem like it's lit with Skittles," you know, or I want like the lights to be like starbursts. I want I feel like it's candy, you know, and uh, and so. And he, he, you know, he's Belgian, and he would just kind of like, okay, and then like, uh, and then, uh, and that's it. And then he would just go for it, and he would interpret it through in his way. And uh, you know, I wanted the camera always kind of moving and floating and dropping. I never wanted it to be, to be comfortable and or to be you know too static. And so, um, but the ca- my generally as a rule, my closest relationships on film are with my cinematographer. That's me more than the actors or more than producers or anyone it's usually always my cinematographer I have my deepest relationship you do speed and photography no she (laughs) I I used to do that (laughs) oh phantom yeah we shot that on some of that yeah oh Oh, sorry. Oh, thanks. Yeah, like if you're going to use a Phantom, I don't know if you guys know what Phantom is. It's a super high-speed camera. It's like ultra, ultra fast. Uh, So it makes everything so... so You can go slow. You can like do like, you know, you can like a... One seconds, like ten minutes or something, if you wanted to. Um, with the fa- yeah, with that with that type of thing, it's done beforehand, and you know, you, we, we would decide if it's something we could do in just a regular ca- camera, if we can do it with just a normal thirty-five millimeter camera, or if it's something that we wanted to go really slow. Uh, we would use a Phantom. Uh, I love I love Phantom. It's almost cheating. It makes everything looks cool. Like Phantoms, almost just like you can just walk and it looks cool. <laughs> okay, over here.
<laughs> Damn, you got blue balls. <laughs> Admit it. Yeah. I can tell. I can see it in your eyes. Blue balls. What? Letting you release it. <laughs> no, that's it. Like, I wanted you to be pent up in you. <laughs> no, I mean, that's it. Yeah, I wanted to be. I mean, if I, I don't, you want to get the puss in the beginning? Come on, you got to wait. <laughs> it's better that way. <laughs> well, nobody knows how to follow that one, so. Okay, well, go ahead. I love oh. them all. I have no allegiance to anything. I mean, I love film. Film is my favorite as far as just, like, this is film. I just, film is the greatest as far as just, it's romance. It's like soft edges. It's um, it's the most possibility. I love that you can break the image down in a way that you can't break video down. People will say you can, but you really can't. Film is uh, it's it's texture. It's like it is soulful. Um, the the way the colors work, the way the grain works. It's like uh, it's it in it's the most beautiful. Now, having said that, I I also love all types of video there i always say that there's no allegiance to technology that it's uh that they're, they're instruments they each have a tone and a sound and they they're useful so i like i like the worst crappiest video vhs you know n- crap and i love <laughs> the way that looks and I, and I i think it's just as aesthetic as 70 million yeah well, trash empress was beautiful in its way right yeah. it's just what you consider beautiful right so yeah. it's all like somebody some somebody sees like a huge obese woman and loves that someone sees an anorexic and loves that and someone sees someone in between and loves that same with film video <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> okay we'll do one more over here yeah Oh, the Britney Spears montage. Can you talk about that? How did you? Um, I just been like, I love that song so much, and uh, I, like, I thought it was like a lot of ways. It was like the rest of the movie. It was like this kind of pop. Uh, it was really like airless and 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 uh, and kind of poppy and and morose in some ways. And then, but un- and underneath it, it was like violent, or there was something kind of like you know. Uh, like f- scary about it, and so I, for years and years, I'd been wanting to, um, uh, I'd been wanting to uh, use do that, make that sequence. I'd been holding that song and that idea for a long time. It was the first time I could do it. Was in this film. It was something I'd been carrying for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, the film opens Friday. I'll thanks I'll, everybody, and um, thanks a lot for being Thank here you. tonight. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. The Pinewood Dialogues at Museum of the Moving Image are made possible by generous support from the Pannonia Foundation. To learn more about the museum, visit www.movingimage.us.